Welcome back to the Long Care Radio Network. I'm Kyle Brown. Joining me here today is David McCall, a researcher at uh, Virginia Tech. He works with a lot of different turf diseases, and uh, he's going to help us today uh, talking a little bit about what issues ILCOs might be looking at in spring in terms of disease control. So welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me on, Kyle. I'm, I'm certainly uh, excited to be on and, and discuss some of these things. It's getting to be springtime. We are starting to get uh, geared up outside. Many of us around the country have already been geared up for some time. And this is the time of year when I start getting a lot of questions from lawn care operators, from uh, sod farmers, from sports turf managers, and, and golf course superintendents. We start seeing a lot of disease issues uh, this time of year for several reasons. One of those being uh, because well, the, the turf is just starting to get, just starting to wake up. So we're just now really starting to be well. One, pay attention to it, and, and one, that the turf is really not growing at its best at this point. Mm. It's kind of weak at this stage. So we start to see a lot of what I would call minor diseases developing uh, right now. Okay. So what are some of the ones that LCO should be really on the lookout for right now? This time of year, I would say the LCOs should probably be paying attention to a couple of the primary diseases of spring and fall. Those would be uh, various leaf spot diseases, mostly caused by Drescholera um, on, on cool season grasses, that is. We see a lot of these usually in April, uh, May, and sometimes into early June. I also get a lot of calls, a lot of emails and pictures that sent to me wanting to know about red thread. That's something that's very common mostly on perennial ryegrass and, and fine-leaf fescue lawns, hmm. uh, but certainly see it sometimes on Kentucky bluegrass and, and tall fescue as well. Those are probably the two most common. Probably a little bit ahead of that, we might start see start to see some dollar spots uh, on, say, Kentucky bluegrass lawns. That's pretty common in the spring and as we get into early summer. We even see that sometimes on uh, Bermuda grass. It's not nearly as common, but sometimes we'll see it. In all of those, you know, they can be devastating to the turf if we don't take care of it. How would you recommend uh, LCOs really try to get ahead of these diseases? So when we're dealing with managing various pests, whether it's diseases, insects, or, or even uh, managing weeds, it all comes down to having a healthy turf. That will reduce a lot of your, your pest pressure, certainly is the case with uh, diseases. The three things that come to mind the most for me are mowing, uh, fertility management and irrigation management. As far as mowing is concerned, lots of times, and I'm guilty of this, just like a lot of people, we may let it get a little bit too tall before we start mowing, and you may end up what I call belling hay, mm -hmm. uh, where you're putting off too much, letting the leaves fall over, and basically lay on the turf, somewhat suffocating it. What happens there is you've got this perfect breeding ground underneath for fungi to grow and, and develop uh, all sorts of diseases. You can see leaf spot disease, uh, as I've already mentioned. You can see red thread, even brown patch, which is more of a summertime disease. But I've seen it even in the mountains of Virginia as early as March. As far as fertility goes, one of the things that, that so many people, especially homeowners, want to do is they're getting out into spring. Uh, they want to really have their lawn looking good. A lot of times people will overdo it with uh, nitrogen. They'll put out too much fertilizer, and they'll have a large flush of growth. Um, which it may look good short term, but that's really uh, deleterious over the long term. Uh, as you get into the summer, you'll have more issues. You'll also see more diseases when you have a lot of succulent growth. The third thing to monitor is irrigation. Typically, this time of year, we don't rely on irrigation too much. 
However, we do have, obviously, rainfall events. In some cases, we'll have a lot. Other, other cases, we won't have much at all. One of the things that we can do as turf managers is really try to, to work on the, the underlying areas. So we can try to improve drainage, even if we're not relying on irrigation and we're just relying on rainfall. Try to find ways to get water to move off so you don't have standing areas of water. Mm. One of the, the worst things you can do for some of these spring diseases, such as, as leaf spot, is water very frequently. A lot of times people will do it in the evenings where you have continuous leaf wetness for a long period of time. I would say if you are going to be irrigating, don't do it quite as often. Uh, try to let the turf dry out some before um, irrigating and then try to irrigate uh, deeply again for your home lawns. Getting the water moving through, uh, either moving down through aeration holes or moving it off-site with lateral movement will certainly help out with, well, really reducing your the, the amount of leaf wetness, uh, the amount of humidity in that microclimate around the turf plant, and it will also try to encourage uh, a deeper rooting when it's basically when you have to make the plants work for it a little bit to have them <laughs> grow down a little bit. What other, what other practices would you recommend? Really, it depends on the type of turf that you're managing. Let's say you have something that produces a lot of thatch, like Kentucky bluegrass or Bermuda grass or, or zoysia grass something like uh, one of those grasses where you have a lot of thatch, that does tend to accumulate over time. Once you get to, say, more than half an inch or three-quarters of an inch or so, you can start seeing a lot more disease-related issues. So in those situations, I would certainly recommend trying to remove some of that thatch by some sort of aeration practices, whether it's removing cores. Some people will go through with a, a vertical mower or a, or a slicer to try to pull some of that material out. And that will help out a lot in those situations. Well, in terms of uh, dealing with uh, fungicides, how what would you recommend uh, that program look like? When we're talking with lawns, certainly fungicides in some cases are, are critical, in other cases not so much. Hmm. What I typically talk to people about is they have to know what their expectations are, know what their clientele are expecting. If you have a customer that is, essentially demands perfection and they want green as much of the year as possible, then fungicides are very important. If, say, they're willing to accept a little bit of disease at certain times of the year, if they know that it is only temporary and that it will grow out of it, then you may be able to get away with much fewer fungicides, or in some cases, no fungicides at all. In terms of what some of the top fungicides are that I, I see people using in the lawn care market, certainly Heritage or Azoxystrobin. This is actually off-patent now, so there are a number of post-patent manufacturers uh, that have this product. To me, this has been uh, probably one of the best products for the lawn care market for a number of years uh, because it, it works so well for so many different diseases and for a long time. Typically with this product and some of some similar chemistries such as the Disarm, mm -hmm. Compass, uh, Turney would be another good product, Insignia would be a good product. So, that, so these are some of the ones that come to mind. You will probably get control of a variety of diseases in most cases, that will last somewhere between three and four weeks. With Heritage and, and some of these other QOI fungicides, which would be similar chemistries, I've seen as much as five or six weeks control. Now, now that, that is wrong. They're not, that's not going to be showing up on the label just because you certainly can get some breakthroughs. And if pressure is really rampant and, and, and it's on, the disease is on a roll, it probably will not last quite that long. <laughs> The conditions will play a major role in 
what products are needed, uh, how frequently you need to apply. This time of year, uh, most homeowners who have cool season grasses in, in the northern climates and, and throughout the transition zone probably are not as concerned about putting out fungicide applications. We typically want to see those going out more during the summertime. Sure. Once we get into brown bark season, at least in Virginia and a lot of the, the surrounding areas, tall fescue is by far the number one grass. Brown patch is the biggest issue uh, on tall fescue. For us, we see people starting to make fungicide applications beginning in probably mid-May, depending on where they are, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. And a lot of times they'll make applications roughly once a month throughout August or September. So what, so what I'm hearing then is this is kind of the time that it would be a really good idea to start talking to your clients about what options you have and what, what you think as an LCO would be best for them as, as the client. Yes, exactly. I think this is an excellent time to try to educate your clientele a little bit, talk to them about what they might be seeing over the next few weeks to a month, but really what they're going to be seeing down the road, what diseases are going to be most prevalent during the summertime, which is when, uh, again, they will have the, the largest issues. I hope a lot of uh, LCOs take that to heart and really and get out there and, and try to help educate their clients because uh, to help them make the best decisions, in, in, especially in dealing with disease. So I really appreciate your help today. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Well, I appreciate it, Kyle. It's, it's good talking with you. I'm glad to help. <laughs>